Yeah, guys, it's a privilege to be with you tonight. We, I was going to preach at 4 p.m., but the Lord took us off script, and we just worshipped for that whole time. So I wasn't even sure what was going to happen this time, but it's, uh, yeah, it really is an honor to preach. I want to I preach a simple message tonight, but it's, we struggle so much to grab hold of it, and it's knowing the love of God. I mean, that sounds so, so simple. You think of verses like John 3.16, which most people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And the thing is, for most of us, we know it. You can all quote it. But the love of God sometimes is like a bar of soap. You pick it up. The minute you think you go on your hand, that thing slips out again. Because there's just something in our default that is so... Either we think it's too good to be true. Or we add all these extra hidden like disclaimers to it. That even someone like Zia realized she was living under. Um, so I, I really just, I just want to pray now. And I want to pray that like I know when I bring this message that there is serious opposition spiritually. And if for some of you, the devil wants you to walk out just saying the love of God is just a truth to be agreed to. It's just a doctrine you're supposed to believe. But don't expect it to change you. And for you guys, I want you to go, we're going to speak about this, that the love of God surpasses knowledge. It needs to go past knowledge. You can't be agreeing to it and still living like an orphan in your own heart. So can I pray for that? Because I think it probably applies to a lot of us. I know for me, I go through batches where I feel like, Lord, I'm so agreeing with you right now. (laughs) And then I go through other times where I can feel I'm thinking thoughts that are not in line with my father. So when we close our eyes. Yeah, Father, I thank you. Before I even start this, I, I'm so dependent on you. I, I cannot change a single heart. I can speak for hours about the love of God. And unless you imprint it on our hearts, it will not sink in. So I pray for every single person here tonight that is simply just saying, Lord, I want to know you. I don't know how to figure this out. I don't even fully understand my own heart. But I want to know your love for me. I pray that you would come meet us in that place, Lord. And and that you promise that you would do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So would you come and do that tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we'll get to the main scripture now I want to read. But I just want to fill you in about... Where does this message come from? Why do we need it? And I think, if I had to ask you, how many of you, when you speak to your friends, or we even listen to yourself, would you diagnose your Christian life as saying that, I think the reason you struggle is because you're thinking too highly of God's love for you? How many of you think you fall into that camp? You're like, yes, if I'm honest, I know I'm struggling. I just can't seem to get right on this point. I keep making too much out of God's love for me. Do you hear that from your friends? Are you sitting in a coffee shop hearing that? I doubt it. Most of us are like, I read it's the bar of soap again. We're like, I thought I had it. I went to a student camp and someone spoke about it. And I felt so good. But now I'm just feeling like I always was. So I think our problem, first of all, isn't that you think too much of it. It's that you think too little of it. That's our problem. And I think why I want to bring it tonight is, you'll see the scripture we're going to read, is there is a rootedness and a grounding it does to us. That there's not many other things I see in here 
that does the same. What's profound is that the prayer we're going to read by Paul is, is you probably know it, it's the Ephesians 3 prayer. Um, and at the end of that prayer, he says that you may be filled, you know the words, filled with all the fullness of God. That is a radical thought. Do you want to be filled with all the fullness of God? Who knows what that feels like? What does that feel like? I think I've been full of God before, but I would never dare to say it was the fullness of God. I don't think we can contain the fullness of God, actually. It's like um, the Lord said to Moses, like, Moses, if you want to see my face, you'll die. I think if he shows me his fullness, I might die. <laughs> no, I can't contain it. That's why, that's why Paul probably prays that we must have strength to comprehend these things. Because our little human frame can't contain it. Um, and the, some, one thing I've, I've really been reflecting on the, the last few months, and I think it applies to a lot of us, is we think progress in life, firstly in life, is to go from dependence in life, where you grow up, you're a child, like your, like your twins. Are they dependent on you guys right now? Heavily so. Um, Godfrey and them, newborn baby, highly dependent. So what do we all praise? The world praises it that a person goes from being dependent to independent. Get to a place where you've got done your own studies, you've got your own Capitec bank account, cheap fees, you're providing for yourself, you're paying for your rent. You ideally get to the place where you're not sponging on your parents for anything anymore. And you're like, you want to get there. Then you're like, I don't need anyone. Anyone aiming for that? The problem is, what does God desire? The opposite. That's what makes it a challenge. Most of you, you come into your Christian walk, whenever you were saved, I don't know, might have been when you were young, might have been in the last two years, but you come in with the independent adult mindset. And you're like, some people start telling you that you need, you need God. You're like, okay, maybe I do need God. And then you start praying to God, and you start seeing Him coming through. But the, I think when we're going to read this now, you're going to see that the Christians who have done the most for God, and will still do the most for God, spiritually see themselves as the most dependent on God out of anyone on the earth. That's, good. That's a very humbling picture. Like Jesus said, like, unless you humble yourself, like one of these little children then you will not enter the kingdom of God. And for us, our mindset tonight, even as I'm sharing, is don't allow... If you see a thought come up in your head that says, what's this guy speaking about the love of God? This is child's play. Give me the advanced stuff. Watch out, brother, sister, if that's you. You've let something creep in that there's the basics and then there's an advanced. The love of God is the most advanced course you can go to. Amen? Yeah. You don't graduate from it. You don't be like, yeah, I remember the first year I was a Christian. I really love the love of God. And I would be like, what now? What are you doing now? So it's, 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 it's the ABCs all the way to the Z. It's the beginning and the end. Um, so open your Bibles if you've got them with you. Or grab one out the pews. And we're gonna, our main place we're going to be is Ephesians chapter 3. Um, looking at this prayer.
Ephesians 3 from verse 14. Um, we'll start reading. Okay, I'll start reading. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the portion I want us to be looking at. Just after that, he goes into this beautiful doxology of now to him who's able to do more than we can ask. But th- this is just the small bit I want us to look at. And the first thing I want us to point out there, if you look at verse 14, is Paul has just been speaking before that about an eternal purpose of God. And you'll see it in those first few verses that he has this confidence that a plan... Do you remember in Lord of the Rings when Gandalf says, things have been set in motion that cannot be undone? I can't remember what point he says that. It's like profound Gandalfy moment. Sticks down his staff and you're like, whoa, okay. And I think it's because the baddies are doing stuff actually. But in a sense, when we look at the cross, Paul's looking back at it and it's had a Gandalf moment. Saying things have been set in motion that cannot be undone. God has revealed through his son, not just a plan B, a plan C, whatever. He set in motion a victory. That is in motion right now. So he says, writing, don't be fooled by what you're seeing. Paul's writing this in prison. Does that look like they're victory? No. He says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens to us externally. God has put something in place that you've got to know. And I would say to you, if you don't know God's plan, and if you don't know what is God actually doing in the world right now, you won't know how to pray properly. You'll be able to pray. I mean, God is very gracious with our prayers sometimes. But you won't be able to pray with power and knowing that this is the will of God. Because you'll be praying things like, Jesus, like, I really hope you maybe come back and die for my sins again. And, and the Lord's like, ooh, okay. Like my son like, pats you on the head. Like, he's not coming back to die on a cross again. But you might pray that if you don't know him. If you don't know his word. So he wants us to pray, knowing what he has set in motion and what he's going to do. And what it does, look at Paul. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So he's bold, praying this, but he is humbled. And I think for you and me, when you start to realize God's plan for the church and for your life, it produces a on my knees. You go like, how? Have you ever thought of this? Have you ever stood in worship here? maybe even this year, and thought like, how did I end up here? You have those thoughts. Or I would walk sometimes outside of church afterwards. I mustn't say out of church, out of the church building, because we're all the church. Walk out of the church building, and I'll just see, I'll forget there's like another world. And I go out there, and all the rich people are going into fat butcher. (laughs) 
And firstly, I'm like, I can't go into fat butchering. And Dre and I walked in once, looked at the menu, walked out. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. But I look at them and I'm like, what makes me different? I feel like I'm, I'm like an alien species compared to the, they're eating, drinking, being merry. And we're here like saying like, God, we want more of you. Do you realize that? That you're like, you're an alien. If you don't see that, then I don't think you're living your Christian faith properly. You should look at yourself and be like, the things I desire and I pray for are so different to the world. Like, do you ever pray less of me and more of you, Lord? What unbeliever prays that? Less of me. It's foreign. So I think when you start to also meditate on God's ways, on His plan, what He's doing, you, I, I realize for myself, I start to think like, yo, like I'm not made for this world. Like I'm, I'm made for a new heavens and a new earth where no more pain, no more suffering. Says you won't neither need the sun nor the moon because the Son of God Himself will be your light and He will shine. And, and that's the desire that He wants us to have. But He moves on, verse 16, and He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. He goes on, He says, that according to the riches of His glory. And what this brings to mind for me is He is an abundant and a wealthy Father. Often our prayers are a bit of like, it's povo prayers. It's poverty mentality. Lord, if you could maybe just help me. And he's like, what? I'm abundant. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. But our prayers are so small. And he's saying, dream, dream bigger. Ask for more. You might say, Lord, I really want to go on an outreach to Wellington this year. And he's like, bless you. But ask of the nations. And I'll give it to you. So we must look at our prayers sometimes and say, God, am I even dreaming big enough? Paul says, if you're in Christ, all things are yours. Whether death or life, all things are yours. I'm still trying to explore what is, what is all those things. But it's an amazing thought. That he's abundant and wealthy. And you know the words I love. I didn't give it there. But it's, if you ever want to, if you didn't test week, you didn't test week this week, eh? Do you want a piece of scripture to put straight in here? It's gold. Matthew 6. Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, but your heavenly Father clothes them. Consider the birds. They neither sow nor reap. Your Father supplies them with food day in and day out. And then if you want to imprint words on your mind, three words. How much more? Hey? It says, look at them. I'm looking after them as you speak. Right now we're sitting here. There's lilies out just somewhere. He's clothing and there's little birdies in their tree talking to each other going to sleep. And he's just fed them and they're happy. And he looks at you and me and he says, how much more? And sometimes our prayers are too low. You need to insert that into you go and say, Lord, me? How much more will I clothe you? And he rejoices in doing good to his children. And the next bit there, it's in that same verse. He says that according to the riches of his glory. Riches is a word you're going to see all over Ephesians. It speaks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
speaks about the immeasurable riches of his power. Just riches, riches, riches. You've got a rich dad if you're in Christ. And speak that to yourself. And he says that he may grant you to be strengthened with power. How many of you feel right now like you need to be strengthened with power in your inner being? I want it, hey? Not in your outer being. Not with health. Not with all the exterior things. Paul says it in another place. He says, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. We have this treasure. It's like a treasure in jars of clay. Outwardly, I might lose it all. You might lose your degree. You might lose your job one day. You might end up in prison writing a letter to people. Whatever could happen to you. But Paul's mindset is, doesn't matter. To live is Christ. To die is gain. He's saying, I've got a treasure. And I can't lose. And I wonder, is that your mentality? I can't lose. You can take what you want from me. You can persecute me. You can afflict me with issues. You can take away loved ones. Yet will I praise the Lord. And that's, that's the place we, we've got to be in. We've got to prioritize in our life, our inner man, much more than our outer man. The world tells you, put makeup on. Go on Instagram. Look at all these bookies, how they're like, Andrea's been showing me what makeup does to people. They look like a different person. It's crazy. There'll be this girl before and after. And I'm like, shame. Us guys, like, put on an unironed shirt and come to church. And we're like... <laughs> Some of your hair's like, well, you had an afternoon nap, so this bit's up in the Did you put makeup on? No, I, I doubt it. But for, for you girls, there's such pressure. I, I, I'm sorry. You actually don't have to subscribe to it. Do you know that? Like, there's so much pressure from this world that says, clothe yourself. Look at, take, take care of what you're going to eat, where you're going to be, who's going to see you, what your life's going to look like, what degree is next to your name, who you hanging out with, who likes your stupid posts on Instagram. And that's going to burn. It's going to fade away. You could go cave swimming with a bunch of friends, jump off a rock, get paralyzed and be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. And everything you banked on and built your identity on is gone. I'm not speaking of anyone. I'm just saying your life is like this. Your life is like this. So don't be fooled by those stupid things. You can see I have strong feelings about this. It's, not, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. You're wearing a tiny bit of makeup tonight. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not against makeup. I'm just saying don't come under that yoke of you've got to be a certain way to be loved and accepted. Okay. Your father loves you and accepts you as you are. So the bit here about, let me grant you to be strengthened with power. And there's something about, have you, have you ever experienced God's love in a way that you felt like it's actually strengthened you? I've felt it many times where I've maybe gone through a dry season or I, I, I remember times sitting in my car and just being like, Lord, I need to go into this building or this office right now, but... I've just been going day after day, not living from your love. 
and I'm going to sit here, and would you reveal yourself to me? And that, that desperation has led to some amazing encounters where often it starts with God showing you how undeserving you are. He often will take you to the bad news about yourself, the thing you try to hide from others. He'll show you that, and he'll say, you know what? The one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. And when he says that to you, you go, I think that's a lyric from a song, actually. Yes, I am your beloved by Jonathan Halsey. But that's an amazing thought. As you sit here right now, do you realize that? That you present yourself in a way to the world to say, please receive me. Please love me. You do it to your parents. You do it to your friends each day. And God looks at you and he says, before you put any of that stuff on, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And we run from that love. And I I felt it for us a few weeks ago. We were worshiping here. And I just was so overcome by God's love for us. I just felt like there's so many of us here that sit here, in a sense, with spiritual arms folded, going to church and going home. And then you go to church and you've got a heavenly father that is pursuing you, pursuing you. And you're not lost out there in the world, some of you. You're lost, but you're sitting in a church building. And he's saying, come to me. Come, let me love you. It's not a doctrine to be agreed with. It's a heavenly father that says, I want to love you. I want to take you in your mess. And I want to clothe you with righteousness. And we need the strengthening, guys. We cannot do the Christian life without living from a place of his love and acceptance. If you're in a place and you're still living for his love and acceptance, it's like going to the gym, getting on that treadmill, putting it on the foster setting and trying to keep up. Sometimes as young boykies, we used to do that, to try to outdo one another. Put it on like 16 or whatever, and you're like sprinting like Usain Bolt on that, on that treadmill. But if you get into that mindset in your Christian life, and some of you are sitting here right now living that way, and you're working for God's love and acceptance, it's like a treadmill that you'll struggle to keep up with. You will struggle to keep up with. And he wants us to live from that place of love. Amen. Amen. I want that for you guys. I want that for me. And he says that through his spirit that you would be strengthened in your inner being. You put that back up. And that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. I love it. If if you look at John 14, Jesus is sitting with his disciples before he's about to go. And you can imagine the camaraderie and the love they must have felt. If you've watched The Chosen, I know people are divided about The Chosen, but it's got some good in it. There you go. There's one. (laughs) But if you picture that, you can imagine if Jesus said to you, hey, how's it guys? I've got to go. You'd be like, and he's like, and it's a good thing. You'd be like, what? In what world could that be a good thing? You're the best thing I've ever encountered in my life. And you're telling me you go. But it's this book where he says, I'm going to give you another just like me. 
another comforter just like me. And he will lead you into all truth. So do you know what we're doing even today? This is important. Is I'm not just telling you about Jesus' love back in the day. And then we just have to reflect on it every now and again. That would, be, that would still be better than nothing. But what has he given us? He's given us the Holy Spirit. That even, you know, when you stand here and you worship, and you feel worship coming up in your heart, do you know where that's coming from? The Holy Spirit. Witnessing with your spirit that Jesus is Lord. Witnessing with your spirit that he is worthy of all praise. It's not coming from you. How's that for a thought? I remind myself of that when I'm in worship. And I'm like, Lord, I'm feeling far, I'm feeling distant. And then I'm like, well, the love that you require from James must come from you. Here I am, Lord. It always doesn't make sense. I'm like, Lord, I can't love you that way with all my mind, heart, soul, and strength. It's got to come from you. So come, pour it into my heart through your Holy Spirit. And those are the words Paul uses in Romans 5, if you want to make a note there. I think it's Romans 5, verse 6, somewhere around there, that he says, God's love. It's a fascinating thought, eh? He speaks about all these things. When you go through persecution, all these things, trials, it all leads to hope. And hope does not put you to shame. And then he chucks in this book. He could have just ended there. And you would be like, oh, hope. And he says, because God's love has been poured into your hearts, Poured into your hearts abundantly. Five verse five. Or is it five verse five? Mm-hmm. By the Holy Spirit. So that's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. God's love poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So if you're feeling dry, guys, and you're feeling far from His love, get before Him and say, Lord, the love you require of me does not come from me. So let me receive it. Pour it out into my heart. Amen. And he says, through his spirit in your inner being. We spoke about that. but And then he says, verse 17. Here's the so that. All of this. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through good works. Through lots of human effort. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It starts with faith. Carries on with faith. And it ends with faith. Is that Christ, for anyone to be a Christian, let's just get this straight. There is no such thing as a Christian that hasn't been joined to Jesus. To be a Christian is to be in Christ. You're not in Christ, you're not a Christian. There's no such thing. You can be in church and not be a Christian. It's being in Christ that makes you a Christian. But what he's saying here, Andre and I were trying to come up with an analogy about it. Like, okay, if every Christian has the Holy Spirit and, and Christ lives in them, what's he getting at you then? And we said it's maybe like, if I invite someone to come stay, live at my house, but then after inviting them, I kind of just give them like, the little pantry room on the side of the house. And they're relegated there. I haven't necessarily given them a full welcoming. I haven't said, this is your abode. Make yourself at home. They're there, but I've kind of just made them a visitor. And I think some of us do that. Jesus maybe comes to visit your house on a Sunday. 
at four or six o'clock. But is he, is he, is that his home the whole week? Is he sitting there at the table with you? Are you, are you driving in your car saying, Lord, oh, I'm so stressed for this test or exam right now. But you said, if God is for me, who can be against me? And you're with me right now. And I appreciate you, Lord. That's him making his home in you. Do you see that? That that's what he wants us to live in. But it, it, it really takes a conscious thought. Because before you know it, you wake up, you have your best efforts quiet time, and you post all your verses onto your WhatsApp status just so people know you had your quiet time. And if you want to be powerful, do it at like 5 a.m. And people are like, wow, okay, jeez, brother. <laughs> what are you trying to prove? <laughs> Mine go on at like August 9. It's more humble that time. <laughs> But the problem with our lives, I'm not just speaking about you, I'm speaking about me also, is that by 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I'm operating as if James is the only one in this house. And I've got to remind myself, hold on James, you're a Christian. That means you and Christ are one. You've been yoked together. Where I go, he goes with me. So when you're sitting at your test this week, and you're stressing there, Who's there with you? Christ. He doesn't guarantee good marks. But he's with you no matter what comes. <laughs> don't, don't tune him or get upset with him if something doesn't go right. But the thing you need to know when you go through a trial is that he's with me. That's it. Think of, think of a child in the forest with its, with its father. And they've gone for a walk in the forest, and it's like, it's like a nice, it's nice in a forest, so it's thick, thick bush, and they misjudge the time and it gets really dark. And this is a little six-year-old boy with his dad. And the minute it gets dark, the child starts panicking, saying, Daddy, Daddy, it's dark, dark. And he can barely see Dad's pants even in front of him as he's walking. What does the child need more in that moment? To know like the GPS coordinates to get home? Or to feel dad's hand. You feel dad's hand, you're like, cool. <laughs> and then dad goes like the wrong way. It doesn't even matter if dad goes the wrong way. I'm with dad. Hey? What more do you need? So that, that's the thing I think that strengthens us about God's love. Is because we come to him saying, Lord, change the external details of my life. And that's the wrong prayer. Yeah, that's good. The prayer should be... Well, you can still ask for that. That's not off limits. You can ask that. But the first prayer should be, Lord, give, stamp it on my very soul that I would know that you are with me. Yeah. In every season, you are with me. Amen. Amen. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And it's deep communion from God. And in verse 17, he says this, but that you would be rooted and grounded and love. And this image of being rooted and grounded is like a tree sending its roots down deep. It's a foundation. It's, it's your anchor. You are grounded. And it just ties into what I said. It doesn't mean that you're not going to go through storms, that you're not going to go through trials, adversity. It just means that when they come, your house will stand. Because the biggest thing is when you go through trials, you start doubting the love of God. That's where the enemy pokes his, whole, his arrows. It says, if God really loved you, would you be going through this? So you need to root 
and ground yourself in his love and say, no, no, Satan, you can try whatever you want. God has once forever proved to me on the cross, demonstrated his love. Paul says another place, he says, if while we were enemies, in our worst fraught state, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son. Again, he uses those three words. How much more will we not be saved now that we are reconciled and friends of God? So you need to learn, some of you, how to speak to your own soul. Take the truth in hand. Wake up. Don't just listen to your feelings. Speak to your soul and say, soul, you're loved, whether you like it or not. Because too many of us are, are, are just living by feelings. I don't feel worthy. Please, please, brother, please pray for me. I won't pray for you. I think sometimes we are enabling wrong beliefs in each other by saying, okay, yeah, brother, I'll pray for you. There, we need to go. This is our primary relationship here. He has said, he's covenanted himself and said, I'm with you. So if you're still saying, Nico, please come pray for me that God would be with me this year. Nico should go, no, God is with you. I will pray that you have a sense of God's presence with you this year. Amen? Otherwise, you're praying a prayer that's not even biblical. Sorry if that's a burn. But sometimes it's a healthy burn. Words from a friend can be trusted. <laughs> that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And you know what scripture reminds me of is, is you want to write that down also for yourself. Um, someone was mentioning Romans 8 earlier at the previous service. I can't remember who that was. Elone or maybe. Um, and it's that verse that says, For we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That the, the source of my conquering, I wish I could say it's my love for him. But that's too, that's too iffy. I can't put my anchor in it. It's not strong enough. It says, you're more than a conqueror through him who has loved you. And he says that you, then goes on to say in verse 18, yeah, that you would have strength to com- yeah. Yeah. That you would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. You can stop there. Is that this is a community project. Discovering and knowing the love of God is a community thing. It's together with all the saints. It's not a culture where you just now go home by yourself and say, Lord, just show poor old me how much you love me. Mm-mm. God has saved you into a body. There, he has made it in a way that there will be Sundays where you come here and everything inside of you is screaming, be strong, be strong, be strong. Don't show anyone, just be strong. Just lift your hands if you don't feel it. And you need to resist that and say, no, no. God doesn't just love me in private by myself. I'm called to come here and not, bo- and not boast in my strength. I'm here to boast in my weakness and say, come around me. Come around me. I'm not feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling far from God. I'm having thoughts of doubt or whatever. It's a community thing. And we mustn't resist that. I think there is such a thing in us that it, the voice is strong in your head. Anyone else feel that voice? Just act fine. Act fine. Be strong. And it, it's something you've really got to, you've got to conquer.
And he goes there and in verse 19, he finally gets to his kind of main words. <laughs> He's used a lot of descriptions and stuff. And he says, and to know the love of Christ. That surpasses all knowledge. And that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And this knowing of the love of Christ, haven't even really fully unpacked it. I mean, it's tough to unpack in one time. But it's not just a sentimental belief. It's not just a fridge magnet that says, God loves me. That, that's too weak. You need more than that. Tattoo. It's not a tattoo. <laughs> you can tattoo it, but you need more than that. And, and I, I want to read. I feel pressure to say, in closing. <laughs> In closing, I want to say a few things to you. <laughs> and listen to this quote. This is a beautiful quote by J.I. Packer. And he says, There is tremendous relief in knowing that God's love to me is utterly realistic. Based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me. Yeah, that's good. So that no discovery can disillusion him about me. In the same way that I am so often disillusioned about myself. And nothing, no discovery that he'll make can quench his determination to bless me. And that kind of relationship is so different to an earthly relationship. An earthly relationship, there is always a thought in your head. What if? What if they find out something about me that they're not going to like? What if they change and I don't change? What if? What if? It's, it's, it's external the whole time. What if they've accepted a version of me that isn't actually the real me? It's an imposter. And I've never shown anyone the real me. God comes along to you and says, my love for you is utterly realistic. <laughs> Just getting instructions from my wife. <laughs> but he's saying my love is utterly realistic. And for some of us, I think... If I can just leave you with anything tonight after this, is that you would go home this week and say, Lord, open these eyes to know the love of God for me. And it might feel like a bar of soap at first that you pick up and it feels like it slips out your hand again and you revert back to your old ways. Rely on those even around you and say, help me to walk this out. I need this. This is not just a pit stop now and again. I need to live from this place of his love and acceptance. Can the, can the band come up? I'd love for us to do some, just allow the Lord to minister. I want to pray for us. Please close your eyes. If you're here tonight, I honestly don't know many of you here. And if you're here, and if you have maybe just been one of those people that is in church, grown up maybe in Christianity, or you've never even gone to church, and you are standing, you're sitting here tonight hearing about the love of God for you, and you know that is the furthest thing from what you have ever experienced. That you haven't even come to this God who loves you. 
There's even a chance you maybe grew up and all you heard about this God is he's a hard taskmaster. That you're going to struggle to keep happy. God wants to come to you tonight and say, come home to your Father in heaven. He wants to forgive you of all your sins. He wants to put his life inside of you. He wants to give you new life. He wants to give you a new hope. He wants to turn you away from living for your own self. And to live for him is where you're meant to be. So if you want to say, I want to repent tonight and I want to, I want to come to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand so I can see that? If that's you. No one else is looking. You're not doing this for me. This is between you and God. That's fine. You can put them down. Thank you, guys. Bless you. We're going to have ministry just now. And if, if you put your hand up, I want you to come to the front and tell someone, please pray for me. I saw a few hands go up, which is amazing. And for the rest of us, before we come up now, I think there are some of you that God is knocking on the door of your heart. And you're one of those that, in a sense, have so guarded and protected your own heart. And the love of God to you even might feel like a scary thing. Because what is he going to see? If I fully, fully give him myself, what is he going to see? Will he still accept me? Will he still love me? God wants to free you of that fear tonight. Because like Zia was saying earlier, the one who fears is not made perfect in God's love. For fear has to do with punishment. And God wants to release you of that fear tonight. He wants to speak peace over you. Just just sit there. Just let the Lord minister to you. Don't squirm out of his presence. Don't, Don't try to run out of here. Let him see you as you are. Let him minister and speak to you. listening to this tonight and go I want a fresh encounter with his love for me I want you to come to the front now if that's you you're saying Lord I want to encounter your love would you stand get out of your seat and come to the front with a God who pursues you and loves you. 
and says, I know your pain. I know the rejection you've gone through. You guys can keep filling out data on that side. The rest of you sitting, you can even stand. I don't want us to just be passive in this. Because in a way, all of us should have a desire. If you say, here, here I am, I'm a Christian today, there should be a cry in your heart to say, Lord, I want to know more of your love. So even where you're standing there, why don't you also just lift your hands to respond to it. And let's wait on him and say, Lord, we want to taste and see that you are good. We want to taste your love for us, Lord, because our hearts need it. We want to be rooted and grounded in love. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. The Lord's going to start tearing down the walls of your heart so that He can come in. Let Him pull down those walls of protection, of hiding. Say, Lord, come in.